And I remember very vividly, it was a, a February night. I was driving home. I have a long commute. I, I had been thinking about this idea of celebrating turning 50 by going to a lot of baseball games over the course of the summer. My birthday's in May, his is in July, so summer works nicely. So I called him up and I said, I have an idea. You're going to think I'm nuts, but just hear me out. 50 games for turning 50, and here's how we do it. And I, maybe 10, 15 minutes continuing along my drive home. I can tell he's thinking about this, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that actually sounds good. Let's let's do it. What's up, Bucketheads? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to episode number 122 of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tomaso, and each week on the show, I speak with a different baseball fan about their favorite memories, what's left on their baseball bucket list, and what the game of baseball means to them. This week, I had the pleasure of speaking with Greg Finch and Tom Diagostino from Rochester, New York. Greg and Tom are Orioles fans who have been friends for over 45 years, and this year, to celebrate their 60th birthdays, they attended 60 ball games together. This is actually the third time the duo has completed a trip like this, starting with 50 games at 50, then 50 games at 55, and finally checking off the 60th game of this season at their beloved Orioles first home postseason series in nearly a decade. Tom and Greg fill us in on how they plan their adventures and pick the ballparks they're going to visit. They also share some incredible stories about some great memories and exciting things they've gotten to experience along the way. Greg and Tom were a ton of fun, so let's get right to it. Now, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy some baseball banter with Greg Finch and Tom Diagostino. Greg and Tom, thank you so much for joining us today on the Baseball Bucket List podcast. How are things in Rochester? Things are good. Starting to get cold. What's that like? You got to <laughs> you got to tell the uh the Texan here, you know what what cold weather feels like every once in a while, but um Thrilled to have you guys here. You have a very unique story. I can't wait to dive into it. But the first question I always start with, and Greg, I'm going to start with you, and then Tom, you can you can answer behind him. How is it that you fell in love with the game of baseball? Well, um, I actually thought that went over. It's kind of part of how you uh, stir up our minds to be ready for the, the podcast. I I got into baseball very young. Uh, my mother signed myself, signed me and my brother up for the little league. So I was uh, in T-ball and I think my brother was whatever the next level was called grasshoppers. I think it was back then. <laughs> and I, I played and I just took to it. I was just a little bigger than some of the other kids. And I just loved to mash the ball and off of a tee going into pitching. I played enough neighborhood ball constantly throughout the springs and summers and just Day after day, we always talk about the old days. We would just get shoot out the front door by our parents and we didn't see them till dinner. And hopefully somebody's mom had water ready for us when we took a break in the middle of the day, the closest house. But uh, I did that. I, I played um, the, the town leagues right up through my teen years. And then I also played for the school team right up through uh, being a senior on, on the varsity team. So falling in love with baseball was a combination of just nonstop playing, smiling when I'm doing it. Um, baseball cards supported it. Back in those days, we had Saturday afternoon baseball was about all we had on TV. But read the sports section, look at the, the box scores, and it just kept going from there. And once it's in you, it's in you. And uh, 
And that's that's my background with falling in love with baseball. I love it. I love it. Tom, what about you? Well, it's interesting. My my passion came about much later than than Greg, for example. I, I played baseball as a kid, you know, little league and that sort of thing, but my main sports were basketball. And in the summertime, I played golf competitively right up until college. And, uh, but I mean, I always liked baseball, but my passion for it really developed kind of because of what I, what I do for a career. I, I'm a professor and now I'm an administrator at a college, but I just really got interested in learning more about history and culture and American history and culture, obviously, but my area of academic interest is Latin America and the Caribbean. And baseball is a fantastic way to, I mean, it's, they're just so intertwined. And, and so with what we have been doing over the past 10 years, Greg and I, uh, a lot of it has stemmed from, I just really, I like to travel. Uh, and, and I really like learning about the history and culture of our country, but also other countries where baseball is really popular. It's funny because as a kid, I always thought that baseball was like the one sport and this will just show how ignorant I was. I thought it was like for sure an American sport that, you know, I always was like, how can we call yourselves the world champions if you're only playing against, you know, two teams from Canada and all the rest are just American yeah. teams and things like that. But I know that baseball has been a culture, a part of many cultures for a long time, but I feel like we're finally starting to get insight into what it means to other cultures a little more, especially here recently in the last handful of years with some of the Olympic teams and World Baseball Classics and things like that. But I'm I'm very curious to hear more about that. Somebody's got to tell me how you two know each other. Go ahead, Tom. Oh, we've actually been friends since junior high school. We We grew up in the same town, but about two miles apart. So we went to different elementary schools. And then it was toward the end of junior high school because we were in different, they called them halls at our school. So we didn't really come into much contact. But toward the end of like eighth grade, we met each other. And then it just, we've been friends since since that time up through high school and into college. We studied abroad together in the same location. And we, we live about 20, 20 minutes from one another. So it, it's been quite a while. Yeah, lifelong friendship. That's really cool. That kind of rolls into my next question, which is really why we're here today. You guys have done something now three times. I think is so super cool and something I hope to be able to kind of mimic one day. You know, you hear a lot of people who have the goal to see all 30 major league ballparks in a certain span of time. Maybe it's their entire lifetime. Maybe it's a year. Maybe it's 30 days. But you guys did something a little different, not focused on ballparks, but on games related to your birthdays, from what I understand. And uh, you've done it at 50, 55, and now 60. And we got to hear a little bit more about the premise behind 60 at 60. Well, that's also one that I would hand off to Tom, but let me be the guy that introduces what, what he can come in and say. From my perspective, looking out at what Tom did is uh, when we were approaching 50 years old, that's a, that's a monumental one. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we had both kind of just been thinking both independently and sometimes in conversation, you know, well, geez, what's going to happen when we're 50? Is it, you know, I don't want a surprise party. I hate surprise parties. I don't even want a party. Well, you know, what can we do? And 
So, you know, the weeks and the months will go by. And so, uh, you know, Tom does a little more uh, deeper thinking because if, if he gets something in his head, he'll take it and he'll go with it and he'll do a little research before he even brings it up to me again. But uh, I'm going to kind of stop right there and hand it off to him and, and just kind of let him go with uh, with how this all really started up approximately, uh, uh, I'll go with 11 years ago, okay. uh, 10 and a half or so years ago. So back to you, Tom. So, um, done baseball trips together for, for quite a number of years, even back when we were in college, we'd get a couple of friends and, and, and go to a, a game on a weekend and, and whatnot. And we've always had a real good time. And a number of years ago, we took our, our kids to do that, a little trip out in the Midwest to kind of introduce them to baseball travel. And I remember very vividly, it was a, a February night. I was driving home. I have a long commute from where I work to home. And I remember exactly where I was, and I, I had been thinking about this idea of celebrating turning 50 by going to a lot of baseball games over the course of the summer. I My birthday's in May, his is in July, so summer works nicely. So I called him up and I said, I have an idea. You're going to think I'm nuts, but just hear me out. And believe me, I, I you know he knows I think things to death. And I I had this all worked out, and I said... 50 games for turning 50, and here's how we do it. And I, maybe 10, 15 minutes continuing along my drive home, I can tell he's thinking about this, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that actually sounds good. Let's let's do it. And so we spent a good chunk of the wintertime um, kind of plotting it out. There's a lot of logistics, obviously, that go into it, picking out what teams you want to see and we were both working at the time, so you have to do it around work schedules. And so we did it at 50, uh, and it was a lot of work, and we didn't finish until right at the very end of the season. And then we kind of thought, that was pretty fun. 55 comes along, and we're like, all right, are we going to do 50 or do 55 at that one? And we, we tried to cut ourselves a break because we were still both working, and so we did uh, 50 at 55. We called it 50 at 50 part two. Uh, a lot of different teams um, wanted to go to different places and see new places. And we took a little bit of a different tack when we, when we did that one uh, in terms of uh, some of the things we did outside of going to the games. We integrated going and visiting some baseball-related sites that were really interesting, some historical sites that were really interesting. And then um, 60 just kind of came about like we we've done this every five years we can't stop now and uh it's a lot of fun as greg said i i i like to do the planning i like to kind of delve into this and do research and it's sort of that's what i've done for my career and more or less i bring some options to them and say here's kind of here's some ideas what do you think and there we have it and we just literally finished the 60th game yesterday oh what a great story i love this so much for so many different reasons, but I want to get some things clarified here. So you're talking about 60 games over the course of an entire season. This is not, you know, 60 days straight or 20 days broken up by a week and then another 30 days or whatever, right? It's just 60 days in the span of an entire season. Yeah, we started in April okay. um, and Greg's retired now, so he has a lot more flexibility, but I'm still working. And so um, we, we basically will take four or five lengthier trips of six, eight, 10 days 
And there'll be a lot of days, I shouldn't say a lot, but some days where we'll, we'll get two games in a day, not double headers in the same location, but we'll catch an afternoon game in one place and then drive someplace and catch an evening game. So, um, between April and, uh, and October 8th yesterday, uh, we, we got in 60 different games and the only place we repeated games were, was Baltimore because we're Orioles fans and we did Baltimore in August for regular season game. And once we knew they were in the playoffs, we had to game 60 had to be a playoff game. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? I mean, the the first one since or the first, I guess, series at Camden Yards, at least since uh, 2016. So um, I'm glad you all were there. That's that's pretty special. How do you guys pick where you go? I mean, are you staying kind of close to home? Are you scattered across the country? Are you picking ballparks? Are you picking team matchups? Like, how are you kind of deciding which games you're going to see? I can feel that one. That's a, that's a slow grounder. Thank you. Um, uh, I'll start out by saying that um, going back to some of the stuff Tom was saying about that initial planning, we started out, it, it was close to about a month that we were seriously trying to work it out that we were going to do a game in every state, including Hawaii, Alaska, and uh, Washington, D.C., and then we would supplement to get up to 60 by doing some others, you know, repeat the state, but not repeat the location. We decided to not do that. The, the logistics of it just weren't quite going to fit. Uh, so we changed our tune. And uh, one of the things that we do, and again, uh, Tom will put his nose much deeper into the, the manual of all the different leagues that exist and all the different places where they might even have a baseball on a diamond that we can go count as a game. And uh, we, we looked at some of the places that we had been to in the past, but some of the teams we didn't catch. Um, we certainly were on the lookout. We both had a few uh, major league teams that we had to check off our list, which, side note, we're both down to one, and it's the same one. It's the Miami Marlins. We just look at different places, and we, we have a good idea that we want to go to that area, and we just look at all the schedules we can get a hold of. And, uh, you know, a, a good example is our, our first one. Uh, it's the only one that we flew and we flew down to your area, flew into DFW down in Texas. And we just started right there at Frisco and went to Albuquerque, Phoenix, Anaheim, over to Las Vegas, uh, down to El Paso, stopped at Midland and eight games in eight days finished up with the Texas Rangers in the new new stadium, not the old new stadium <laughs> right there. So we, we just look for those areas. We look for the times. And one of the things Tom just mentioned also was if we can get two games in a day, that gets us so much traction and you know saves us time somewhere else. And going back to one of the previous trips, we actually had a three for where we had three games in a day. It just somebody had a morning game. There was a, an afternoon matinee that wasn't too far away and then caught an evening game. Wow. That's how we do it. That's awesome. The trip you just talked about, eight games in eight days, kind of in, in this neck of the woods sounds phenomenal just because, well, when you're driving west through Texas, there's not a whole lot to see. But uh, once you get out of Texas, you know, it's it's a beautiful part of the country and just a really special place to visit. So it's it's really neat, I think, that you guys are kind of tying in not only Major League Baseball, but all levels, right? Sounds like independent league, minor league baseball, collegiate maybe during the summertime. But I imagine that you guys are, 
you're probably getting a good sense of the culture and community of these places as you kind of pass through them. Um, and I don't want to tee things up too much, but I guess my next question for you would be, what was it specifically about 50 at 50 that made you decide this was something you wanted to do again? Was it really the baseball? Was it the relationships? Was it the time you guys got together? Like, was it some of all of it? So people ask us this all the time and they're like, you guys really travel together that much? Are you ready to <laughs> kill yourselves by or kill one another by the end of your travels? And you know, we just, we've gotten along together for a long time and the travel is, it's fun. You know, even driving that, that drive from Dallas West, it, it is kind of boring, but we have, we have a lot of fun with that. And, and we do a lot of our planning in the car because sometimes weather interrupts things, sometimes traffic interrupts things. So we, we, we keep ourselves really busy. Obviously we listen to some podcasts, of course. Um, but the thing that we most enjoyed about the first time we did this was meeting new and different people. I mean, we've, we've seen hundreds of baseball games over the years and they're fun. You know, we like to, we like to watch baseball obviously, or we wouldn't do this, but the opportunity to travel and see places we would never otherwise see. And that's why going to minor league and independent games is so great because why else would you go to some of the places we've been to? But the stories that we have um, from the people that we've interacted with, we really make a point when we go to each game, as you probably saw doing some of your research, to to find different people to talk to. And we've met such interesting people and and really kind people who who have an interest in what we're doing. And you know, this is a great way for us to learn about you know what's Frisco, Texas like, what's Albuquerque, New Mexico like, and and so that was probably the thing that most motivated us to try and do it a second and now a third time is it's just great to meet people who have an interest in in baseball and in talking about baseball and other stuff anything to add greg yeah we we actually got better just like anything you do in life that the the first trip the 50th 50 consider us to be uh teenagers in high school and you're at the school dance and there's a prospective dance partner just across the way, but you're not really sure what to go up and say. Well, it, it all starts out that way. And, you know, you're a little hesitant. And then you start to learn, especially in the minors, how friendly they are and it's family oriented and they want you to have a good time. And it's about the entertainment value as, as much or more than the baseball. So we started to learn the tricks of the trade. That, uh, you know, there's the catchphrase, if you don't ask, you don't get. And, you know, if you walk up to fan services and say, hey, is your GM walking around? We think we'd be able to talk to him. Sometimes the GM was standing right there and would spend anywhere from 10 minutes to an hour with us or give us a tour. Um, other times they would describe what the GM looked like and we would go look for him or her. And uh, invariably, we learned how to do this. So near the, I'll call it year one, the first year we did it. Um, we were kind of learning the ropes. And by the end of the year, we had learned a lot for the second time. And we really knew what to do, but we're still refining. And uh, this year, we really had it down pretty good. It was almost robotic, the way we would show up and have our tickets ready, be at the gate. And when we went in, things began to happen. Literally, we have stories about within minutes 
that good things were falling into place. From meeting somebody to one particular location, we were signed up to throw out the first pitch in less than five minutes of the gates opening. So those are the wonderful things we've learned. And each one is an experience that just builds for the next time. And we've gotten better at just being ourselves and talk to people. They want to be talked to, the, the workers, the from GMs down to ticket takers, the, the whole gamut. That's so well said. I think that so much of especially the minor league and independent and collegiate communities, that environment, you go for the ball game your first time there, and then you kind of begin to understand just how magic, magical that place is. And so you go back and it's not necessarily because you want to see baseball. That's always a plus. But you begin to understand just how everybody who walks through that gate feels welcomed and everybody wants to have a conversation. Everybody seems to be getting along well. And these are doesn't matter if these are next door neighbors in the town that the team plays in or if you're in town from Rochester, New York, you know, out in, I don't know, Amarillo or Midland or something like that. It's a it's a very special kind of, I'm not really sure what to call it, but just a, a almost like a magnetic pull that I think baseball fans tend to have towards each other. Do either of you have a ballpark that you were kind of maybe surprised by, good or bad, hopefully good, you know, a, a place where you weren't necessarily expecting much, but either the facilities, the community, the folks at the game just kind of kind of blew your socks off. I think uh, so. We talked a lot about this um, on our drive home from Baltimore last night because we didn't have much good to talk about as far as the game went. Um, we we were talking about this, and you know, this is a question we get asked all the time, and there are different ways of looking at at it. Like ballparks are facilities. So a lot of people, and there's all sorts of websites out there that rate ballparks based on the physical structure or the amenities that are there or the views. And and all of that's good. It's all interesting. And I'm, I'm not in any way speaking negatively about that. But what we've kind of come to agree on when, when we're answering this question is for us, it's really about the sort of experience that we had at a particular place. There There are some beautiful stadiums out there, you know, so many that that we've been to but um the ones that really stand out in our mind are the ones where we we just had a great experience because of a person or people that we met or maybe a, a really really interesting game and i guess if i was if i was to pick one out for this current um trip that we did the 60 at 60 and I'm going to feel badly about miss about leaving a whole bunch of other interesting <laughs> ones out. But uh, we went to see the Wichita wind surge when we were out in the Midwest. And I had read some nice reviews of the stadium and it's, it's, it's a newer stadium. Um, but we didn't have any connections there. A lot of the places we go, when you were asking earlier about how we pick out places, in some cases, it's because of connections uh, that we might have. Um, when we did 55, when we did our 50 at 50 part two, for example, we had connections at all of the Minnesota Twins affiliates because Rochester at that time was was in the Twins organization. So we had great connections and we did every one of the Twins affiliates. In Wichita, we didn't have anything. So we were just kind of going in cold. And as Greg said, we sort of have this routine down where we'll just go up and ask at guest services 
is anybody around? And within two innings, we were sitting in the broadcast booth being interviewed by <laughs> uh, their play-by-play announcer, a, a really nice fellow named Tim Grubbs. And later in the game, the GM, uh, Bob Moulet, took us around and gave us a tour of the stadium. And uh, we spent probably a good 45 minutes to an hour with with the two of them. And it went from a night we were looking forward to, to one that really just was a lot of fun. What about you, Greg? Same answer or something different? Well, I, I can certainly agree with Tom. We have a tendency, if, if we had to list 10 places, if you asked us to do that, we would have eight of them in common. Pretty certainly that that would be the case. Um, we had done a trip out to the Midwest in the, the latter half of the summer. And it was a pretty long trip. We drove from, from Rochester, New York to Denver, Colorado for the Rockies. And we stopped, we went to Fargo, we went to Kansas and, you know, Wichita and whatnot. And we're on our way home and we're looking at this place in Milwaukee, not the Milwaukee Brewers, the Milwaukee Milkmen. Yeah, the American Association. And there's, you know, there's a chance to get a game. So certainly, you know, it gets us something to count. And it wasn't a place we had ever been to exactly before. We've been to the Brewers. But uh, it, it's a good example of what you were saying. The lowest of expectations, because we didn't really know anything about it. We pull into the parking lot really early. We have a tendency to do that, so we're not late. And we're looking at the place, and it wasn't that anything looked bad at all, but it, it kind of had a general university feel to it. And a very small little box office that wasn't open, and a couple of people walking around. We walk into the place. It was a fairly nondescript stadium. They had fake turf. Um, you know, we're fans of the grass kind of thing, but you know, you take what you can get. And we're looking around, we're looking for somebody that we can talk to. Who's going to be our interview tonight? And it really wasn't panning out too easily. And suddenly the game starts and we, we notice the guy that's doing, he's not doing play by play, but he's, he's their entertainment guy, the on field person that you would usually see, but he's everywhere he goes. He's got this microphone in his hand and he is, he's introducing batters. But he's the milkman, white hat, white shirt, white uh, shorts, and he would move. Their mascot was a cow. And this guy had so much energy. And as excited as I am about telling this, watching how excited Tom got, he was glued to what this guy, his name was Van. We ended up looking him up and we tried to get an interview with him, but he was so busy. He gave us his phone number. We could text him. But he would just, when he was talking to us for 30 seconds, he was paying attention to us and somehow he knew what was going on in the field. The other team did something good and he just, he clicked on his microphone just for a moment, interrupted, he goes, boo, and shuts it back off and goes back to talking with us. And this was nonstop to the point that he's throwing t-shirts up and one time he ran across the field as fast as he could to the outfield and threw to some seats that were set up out there. We had such a surprise of that. It really wasn't the organization per se. It was this one gentleman that we just absolutely were impressed with, with everything that he could accomplish. And the place was packed and he had to be a big reason why. And we walked away from there with smiles. And to this day, we still mow at each other. I'll just send him a text, mow, and then he'll send me one in lowercase, mow. 
Oh. And we know what that means. I love that. So shout out to the on-field hosts of the world too in minor league baseball and independent leagues because they are the ones who bring the energy. You're exactly right. They can totally change the entire feel of a game on a dime. And this last summer, I had an opportunity to go up to the Pacific Northwest and hit some ballparks up there. And I finally got to meet Eric the Peanut Guy in Tri-City, Washington. And um, he is, you know, of course, a legend among on-field hosts. And being able to sit there and watch him do his thing in the middle of a ball game and watch how people reacted to him, it's just totally crazy how much energy and vibrance that brings to to not only the game, but the entire community, because you could just tell everybody adores them. So I haven't been up to the Milwaukee Milkmen. I only know them because they play my Cleburne Railroaders, who are also American Association. But you've sold me on it. So I, I've, I got to get up north for that one for sure. Okay. By the way, I, I did listen to the podcast with the peanut guy. And it was a great one. And the things that he talked about during that you could see he was trying to remain humble while telling the different accolades he would be receiving. Uh, am I correct in remembering they put a statue up of him? That's right. Yeah, it's a giant bobblehead. Well, yeah, his, his history from the uh, up throwing yeah. the peanuts for years. Yeah. That was great to listen to. Yeah, he's the best. And one of the best stories about a, a kid literally starting with an organization slinging peanuts and now, you know, playing a major role in the story of the franchise. So it's pretty cool. Just another thing that's special about baseball. Are there any stories that are kind of sticking out? You know, you you kind of alluded to the fact that somehow magic just seems to happen as you guys walk through the gates, even if it's not something that you had hoped would happen ahead of time. That was a pretty good story about it from Greg. But any, you know, anything that kind of illustrates some of the cool stuff that you got you got to participate in or do that you weren't necessarily expecting to? I can think of one that happened this year. Uh, and, and I'm sure Greg's got some other ones as well. But I guess this would be in the category of something that was completely unexpected, but was really indicative of the sort of kindness that we've come across in, in all of our travels. Um, in our second trip of the year, after we traveled down to the Southwest in April, in May, we did a trip down to the Southeast. We had been to uh, see the Braves previously but because of minor league schedules now on Mondays early in the year, you really only have major league options. So it happened that this Monday in late May, uh, the Braves were home and it actually was my birthday. It was the day I turned 60. And the thing about going to the major league parks is it's more difficult. You're not going to meet the general manager of the Atlanta Braves, right? right. And so... Uh, unless you have a connection, and we've been lucky to have some connections at, at a couple major league places, but we didn't in Atlanta. And we kind of went into the stadium, and it's a, re- it's a great stadium. And we were thinking, well, f- who are we going to get? And ushers are great. They're always great to talk to because they're, they love baseball. They like people. That's why they do what they do. And we just happened randomly to pick this one section to walk to. And there was a a gentleman standing there about our age, and we just got chatting. He asked us where we were from. We told him Rochester, and he had a connection to, um, we have a famous music school here in Rochester. He was a high school music teacher. And making a, a long, long story short, he's the lead usher uh, of the stadium, of the entire place. And 
We told them what we'd like to do. We have our little interview that we do with people that you probably uh, read about. So we talked to him about that. And then uh, one of the things we like to do after we ask our three questions of someone is just get a picture with them. And so he said, uh, well, you probably want to get a picture closer to the field, right? Would that let, Let's go down. So we start walking down toward the field and Greg, I think, was in front of me and we're getting closer to the field and he's looking back at me like, what's going on here? And this gentleman, uh, Robert Bryant Jr. was his name. He had a lot of pull at that park and he goes down, opens a gate and takes us right out, out on the field, right in front of the dugout and uh, got a picture with us. And we stood there talking. Some players were around. He found we were sitting up in the upper deck and uh, by the fourth or fifth inning, we were down sitting in a suite courtesy of Robert. Uh, He gave us some gifts because it was my birthday. And it's, it's just he was such a nice man and was so interested in what we were doing and we just hit it off. And I tell that story because we went into that park without an expectation in the world. And that was one of easily one of the best days we've ever had doing this because we met just a really, a kind soul who uh, was was great to meet. What an incredible story. That's, that's literally incredible. I mean, to, to get down on the field like that, to just happen to bump into the, to the lead usher Really nice of him to make your day for your birthday, really. <laughs> it was a great birthday present. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Greg, I'll let you go first. What comes to mind when I ask you what your favorite baseball memory is? Wow. Um, 50 games, 50 games, 60 games. That's a lot to remember. So I guess in itself, that's a great memory that, that we've done those three trips, you know, friends for 45 years. I, I have a number of baseball memories, um, and I actually made sure to write some down. Give me just a second here, um, <laughs> just because I wanted to make sure. Now, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a privilege, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm going to quickly go through a small number of my favorite memories. I, I whittled it down to what I'm pretty sure are my six best. um but there's one that i can actually tell a brief story about so i'll do it i'll do it really quick um number six elizabethton tennessee uh glorified high school field low expectations but some decent baseball it was a, a low twins team um the game was over with it had rained it was what it was we're on our way out of there and there's this tiny little shed where these two ladies were in there working. They're probably, you know, 60 so years old. And with their very adorable Southern accents, we talked to them for a little while and they, they loved what we were doing. We thought they were really cool. And they said, y'all want some hats? <laughs> and we just thought that was the coolest thing. And they said, pick one of the hats or they were going to just give us the hats. And, and that was wonderful. Wow. Um, in, Second, uh, number five, in 1978, I saw Willie Stargell hit a grand slam at the end of the season that should have been, it was the second to last game of the season, maybe third. They were in the fight with the Phillies. He hits a grand slam first inning. They're up four to one. And I'm thinking, okay, this is possible. This is possible. My dad took me down. Uh, They didn't end up winning to get into the postseason, but I saw uh, one of my guys, Willie Stargell, hit a grand slam. Wow. So that was pretty cool. 
Uh, number four, we interviewed Brewstar Grotterall when he was 19 years old in Fort Myers, playing for the Fort Myers Miracle. They told us he was not a good interview. We both speak Spanish. We said, we'll talk to him in Spanish. When he came out after the game, he pitched a great game. We were so impressed with what he did. As soon as we said, we're going to have this in Spanish, his shoulders dropped and he was just so comfortable and he had a great time. We took some pictures with him and we were able to take that back to Rochester where the local radio station that covers the wings could, uh, could use that. Cool. Coaching a Cooperstown team uh, here in downstate New York, uh, coaching my son. My son had the team's first home run and I coached against Mike Matheny, was coaching the other team. The year between when he retired and when he took the job as a Cardinals manager. So we had the same exact managerial uh, experience. Wow. <laughs> uh, number two, Field of Dreams with my two boys, Tom and his son, who is my godson. We went there. We had a catch. Last, here's, here's what I'll, I'll still try to keep brief. In Charlotte, so Port Charlotte, Florida, we're at a game. We're looking at the, the sky. It's ominous. It's getting dark. It's getting approaching the seventh inning. Legal game is in. It's getting closer. It's getting closer. It starts to rain. The tarp comes up. We look at each other. We don't think they're going to play. But 10 minutes later, they cancel the game. They come over the speakers and they say, all right, everybody, you can head out. The game is going to be canceled. It's official. So like everyone else, we filter out. We try to stay out of the rain. We're underneath. And everyone's looking out at the parking lot, but nobody's going. Everyone's waiting for the rain to let up a little. The speaker comes on again. We just looked at the radar. It's not getting any better than this. So if you're waiting, you may as well just go. Well, we had parked our rental car, kind of a generic black uh, Toyota Camry looking thing. And this this parking lot, there was some uh, team parking. And then there was the the, the fan parking. And it was kind of like uh, almost a setup of a drive-in theater, an old one, where there was some some grass, and then there was some semi-concrete stone. So everybody's running out, and you know what they're all doing to find their car in the darkness in the rain? They're all hitting their key. So we're running out. Tom's hitting the keys, hitting the key. We're laughing. It's just so stupid what we're doing. <laughs> we're drenched already. We finally get out there. It takes a good 45 seconds for us, and we look, and he's hitting it, and there's this car that's beeping you know, right to his thing. So we get in the car easy and quick. And we're looking around. Some people can't find their car. This lady comes up to our window and I, I open the door up. She goes, is this your car? Well, yeah, it's our car. And she goes, okay. And she runs off. Tom's trying to start the car and he can't. <laughs> I'm looking for the GPS in the glove box. And it's not there. We're thinking somebody, somebody broke in and took all our stuff. And it dawned on us. They were blipping their car open. We got in their car. So we laughed for a minute, but then we had to get out in the rain. We were laughing so hard all the way, trying to find our real car. Same exact Toyota Camry, black. We got in there. We just, we must have laughed for three minutes before we could move. And then we finally took off and the stitch under the, uh, under the ribs. That I think is what I'm going to go with for my number one baseball memory, albeit tangential to baseball. <laughs> Um, the biggest smile, the biggest amount of fun that we had. There's nothing funnier than that story. I'm done. I hope that didn't take too long. <laughs> no, that was great. Oh, I would like to. I would like to have a chance to speak with that lady though to talk about the two strange guys who who stole her car <laughs> momentarily. <laughs> I'm guessing she was laughing a little less than we were. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I thought 
you know, it would have really, really would have uh, sent it over the edge if, if when you had gotten in the real car, she was sitting there trying to get it to start with her own keys. But <laughs> yes, <sighs> Tom, what's your favorite baseball memory? Well, um, I, I'm an Oriole fan. I, I grew up in Rochester and we were the Orioles AAA farm team for many years when I was growing up. Um, Greg and I both went to games at what was old Silver Stadium when we were kids and later became Frontier Field. But those are my, my, I've always been an Orioles fan. And in 2013, when we did this the first time, my son was a baseball player um, in school and he had a hitting coach here who happened to be a, a baseball scout who knew the Orioles third base coach at the time, Bobby Dickerson. And so I asked this um, friend, he had become a friend at this time, Dave, you know, could you call in a favor for me? Uh, we're doing this thing. We, 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 at that time, we had 48 games done. So Baltimore was going to be game 49 and 50. Is there any way you could do something for us, facilitate a connection? And so he did some work and came back to me and said, you, the Orioles were unfortunately not in the playoffs that year. So the last two games of the season weren't very meaningful. He said, I've got you on field passes for batting practice and Bobby will meet you on the field. Wow. And so it was my first time on a major league field, Camden Yards. Uh, we were standing there looking out at the warehouse and they were playing the Red Sox. So we got to meet Bobby. Um, he chatted with us for a little while. He was a really nice guy. Adam Jones was standing there after he hit and was signing autographs. Jim Palmer walked by several times in front of us. And then that was the year, of course, the Red Sox won the World Series. And we were on the field watching their batting practice. One of the last two or three games of the season. And Greg and I always talk about this. I mean, just seeing those guys hit the ball is impressive enough. But I've never heard a sound like when David Ortiz hits the ball. Uh, it, it, it was like a shotgun went off and watching him launch balls, you know, all over the place at Camden Yards. It was, it was just such a, a great experience. And, uh, even though the Orioles were, were not real good that year, um, it was, it was still a lot of fun. There's something about being on a field. It doesn't matter. You know, I've, I've gotten to go on a handful of them as part of like ballpark tours and things like that. Every time you step on a field, you feel like you're about four years old. It's just the greatest thing in the world. And you're like, these are my heroes right here in front of me. And um, it's just, it's incredible. So what a cool story. And then to to have seen the Red Sox in their last series before they went on, uh, not the, I guess that wouldn't have been the curse-breaking run, but the one shortly thereafter was uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool to see, I imagine. What's left to check off on the baseball bucket list? What's that number one thing you got to do, place you got to see, person you want to meet? You want this first, Greg? Yeah, sure. I'll go for it. Um, th there's a simple one, catching a World Series game. And I certainly would love if either of my sons um, get moving with their uh, wife or girlfriend. You know, one has a wife, one has a girlfriend. For a third generation, I'd love to have three generations go to a game. But um, when I thought about this today, I actually found a, a good angle of explaining. There's so many people from the sport and even outside of the sport 
Hank Aaron, for example. I always wanted to meet Hank Aaron. Never did. Never had the opportunity, but never tried either. Now Jimmy Carter's ill. He would have been a great guy to meet and just say, hey, with everything he's done since his presidency, not to mention he used to be the president of this country. But um, so who's who's the guy now from baseball that I would really like to meet that I would really miss if he wasn't around? Bo Jackson. Mm, I was going to say Cal Ripken, but yeah. Bo will work too. Kale's um, on my list, yeah. um, but I'm going to say uh, Bo with what he did in such a short period of time, the phenom aspect, but he's, he was legit in two yeah. sports. Um, I'd love to have half an hour with him just talking and, and seeing what he's got to say. That'd be cool. That would make for a really great interview. That's for sure. Yes. What about you, Tom? Well, I mean, it's it's pretty easy to say going to a World Series game and for me, it would have I, I, I had to be an Oriole game. I was hoping this year, maybe, but it doesn't look good. Um, but that that would be one thing. But and and this might sound a little a little corny, but with what we've done over the past ten years, I, I've done so many things already through these three summers of baseball. I mean, it's I've done it. Um, and and I, I, I don't want that to come across as like conceited or anything like that. I just feel so fortunate that, you know, our very first game this year, Anna, we went to Frisco and this is the dumb luck that we have, but what it led to, we, we got to the game, we, we got to d- uh, Dallas early and we didn't realize the game the night before had gotten suspended. So we just went to the field because we knew where it was. We'd been there before and we learned oh, they're finishing the suspended game first. So it was two hours before, three hours before the regularly scheduled game. So we go in and we were taking a selfie behind home plate because we thought, well, we want to document our experience. So we'll get a picture behind every home plate where we go. And a guy sees us and he said, would you like me to take your picture? And we thought, oh, that'd be great. Thank you. And I could see that he had a name tag on and it was the general manager of the Frisco Rough Riders. His name's Scott. And we said, hey, this is actually the first game of this kind of cool thing that we're doing this summer. And within five minutes, he had taken our picture, taken us down on the field. We spent 45 minutes talking with him on the field and standing over in front of the Frisco dugout was their top prospect, who I knew at the time was Evan Carter. And he's like, would you like to go over and meet Evan? And so... um. Within a, the first hour of us doing this this summer, we got to meet one of the top prospects in baseball who's gone on to uh, do some pretty impressive things here in the postseason. Unfortunately, again, <laughs> it's your team and my team. Um, but that's sort of the experience that we've had. And I, the the number of great experiences like that that um, I've already enjoyed, I feel like I've checked off so many different things that um, – I just hope I get to do it more. I love that. I love that. And so much of what you guys have shared today has been, I. one of the reasons I like to do this show is because I think it can become inspirational for people who, they have grand ideas of things that they would like to do, whether it's, you know, go see all 30 ballparks or see games at different levels or whatever it is. And I think, like myself, a lot of people can kind of talk themselves out of things. And to talk to people who have who have done something 
super cool, not once or twice, but three times now. And to just hear how things kind of fall into place. And maybe you don't have super high expectations, but things just kind of work themselves out. It's almost the if you build it, they will come mentality. And I think, um, you know, for listeners who are kind of sitting back wondering, is this the year I should try to do something or should I wait? You know, you're never going to know if you don't ask, you won't get it. And um, I've that's just what I've enjoyed so much about talking to you guys is hearing just all of these incredible things that come from seemingly nothing, you know. So when you guys visit ballparks, I know part of what you do is, as you mentioned several times here, you conduct interviews with at least one person in the ballpark. Do you want to direct people where they should go if they want to kind of follow along with you guys on social media, read the interviews, check out the blog, all of that stuff? Where should they go to follow along on what I'm hoping will be 65 at 65? Uh, Well, if we age too much, we'll make it 65 innings and have 65 (laughs) games. But uh, there there, will be talk in a couple of years about that happening. But for right now, uh, our main source, uh, especially for this year, uh, it's a Facebook page, um, all one word, the number 60 at 60 baseball, 60 at 60 baseball. And the at is AT, 60 at 60 baseball. And it's also on Instagram with the same name. Awesome. Greg and Tom, I've so enjoyed this. I really just had an absolute blast talking to both of y'all. And I got to say, as a Rays fan, the O's have me worried, not only for their hot year that they just completed, but um, watching Norfolk down there kind of take it to my Durham Bulls. I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm a little scared that maybe I need to worry a little less about the Yankees and the Red Sox and, and worry about those O's. So um, I don't think a World Series game is too far out of reach. We're, we're hoping. We, we've saw a lot of the uh, Orioles affiliates this summer. Um, we saw Jackson Holiday three different times. Wow. And I, I do, I, I like our future, but, you know, Tampa, you guys do such a good job developing young players. And uh, I know Junior Caminero is, uh, he, he's a stud. He's a really good ball player. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, the rivalry between us and maybe Anna at, at some point, if it's, uh, you know, Rays and the Orioles in the, uh, you know, American League Championship Series, we'll find ourselves at a game together. That would be cool. That'd be really neat. Y'all, I cannot thank you enough for making time to join me today and just so appreciate it and um, look forward to seeing, you know, what's next with you too. Definitely. Thanks so much for having us. It was fun. And that will wrap up this episode of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. Special thanks to Greg Finch and Tom D'Agostino for joining us today and sharing those stories and memories. Be sure to check the show notes where I've added the links to all of their social media channels they mentioned, as well as the blog post that they wrote. If this sounds like something you'd like to do, if you think you might like to be a guest on the show, head to baseballbucketlist.com slash podcast and fill out an application. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. While you're there, make sure to spend some time on the site, sign up for a free membership, build your own baseball bucket list, track your ballpark visits, and use the resources to plan your own incredible trip. That's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next episode.